Yeah, I, I, I thought it was, um, I, I haven't watched this, this split, um, but I, 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 I usually feel like that is a big issue, and I also just think that it's interesting in general, the, the way that uh, these kind of like esport games work when regions meet because um, like the LCK and I can't think what is the the Korean one I can't think of LCK no I, is that is that Korean I thought that was Chinese LPL LPL is, okay yeah. LCK and L, LPL like other regions have their their own metas and then it's kind of weird when you meet up and it's like do you try to adopt the meta do you go with the meta that's been working in your region or do you try to adopt the meta or the counter meta to what you think works in like against these other regions? I, I don't know. The thing that's weird also is that the North American team, uh, Evil Geniuses, did really well and like crushed it. Yeah. But then now that they're on the world stage, they're losing to teams that <laughs> I, I feel like they could have beaten. What was you know, the um? I'm trying to I think it is Evil Geniuses because I I. Uh, this is WTDG for the week of October the 9th. Be with you. Um, I just got back from the the uh, the city of brotherly love, um, hometown to Rocky, um, and no one else. Uh, there's no one else who comes from Philadelphia but Rocky. And uh, I was I I got to spend some time with ex co-host uh, uh, Shron the Magnificent. And we were talking a little about Worlds because Worlds is coming up, and Tron, of course, is a big league fan. And uh, so, I, so I got a little primer on it, and and without really having seen it, you know, I basically am just like, you know, like I like watching league, but North America will never win. And Sean's like, no, we, it looks really good this year, but they e do. Eg, problem. Eg, what what, is Eg the one where they had an awesome eighty carry, and then the eighty carry had to leave? Yes. Okay, for mental health reasons. So then they, so then that is kind of that. That is unfortunate. That that's not even like a regional thing. That's just unfortunate that that they were working. But the other thing is that like the eighty carry, the new one, is not even the source of their problem. Like this, like so far, unfortunately, like the biggest source of the problems I think is their jungler who is making really shitty drafts, picking like Nidalee, who is never never good. Uh, I, I don't know why, like, Nidalee is a farming jungler, so I guess the idea is, um, like, secure early objectives, try to, you know, assume the lanes are going to win on their own, and, you know, just, like, having faith in your team. But, like, the jungler-inspired is, like, a, he is a carry jungler who is usually, like, steamrolling and getting his team ahead. And if you're playing Nidalee, you can't do that. But, like, I, I feel like they're having problems top lane they're having problems in jungle and like their 80 carry has not been yeah so I, I i feel like it would be great to just like blame it on that and be like yeah well i mean they got dealt like a you know a bad hand with their current like roster situation but it's really not the draft better and they need to play their game better yeah it was interesting i watched uh some of the first day um and i haven't watched the second day i haven't watched uh the eighth i watched games on the seventh um and uh shran was saying you know even in the drafts it was like oh this is kind of a weird pick for you know america like a lot of the he, he pointed out so many problems with it he was like you know fiora is an okay pick but like the top laner knows exactly how to counter this and like is comfortable against that pick he was like you know if you're looking at the original like at, at the american picks um the korean team fight was like much much better and maokai 
is like a strong initiator and they had all this like team fight and, and engage and it kind of just went that way it was kind of like like they lost in drafts and then you see it happening um i i think the nidalee pick is interesting because it, it's kind of you can you can look at the rest of the picks as as it being a similar thing like i don't like i don't love like the the initial like leblanc pick for cloud nine on the seventh because i just see that kind of stuff and it's like what are you doing are you like pub stomping in in like ranked or something it just feels like uh, leblanc is a really strong competitive but it's and it's if, the if best you don't teams in the world they're drafting LeBlanc. if you snowball her like if is she good after 20 minutes if you haven't left lane and if you're losing farm to his ear or no but you sh- i mean you played that that's not how you you don't draft to lose you draft under the expectation that you're going to like leblanc is not a bad I don't know. I just feel. I just feel like it's it's stuff like that. It's it's um target. It's like really targeted characters that are like solo ranked carries versus some of these like safer team fight picks with big AOEs. I mean, it it must be weird for you also like going into this because like the meta has changed a lot. So you see LeBlanc and and maybe that's like a surprise to you, but that that is also a character that doesn't need to. Like great if she gets ahead, but also good if she's facilitating other lanes to get ahead. But that that um, was the thing was like they weren't doing that. Yeah, I mean day one also teams that weren't in plans uh, were drafting poorly. Didn't realize that like Maokai is very strong right now. We're seeing issues with um. So I I think the worst thing that happened with NA and this is like a little too inside baseball. Get in the but, weeds. That's what we're here for. But Fiora is typically considered a counterpick to Aatrox with Aatrox being one of the best uh, blue side first picks right now because he kind of does a little bit of everything. So it's either you leave him open because you think you can deal with him or you ban him, obviously. But any teams have been leaving him open and then trying to counter with Fiora. But then we're seeing all of these situations where they're losing on the counter pick, where Aatrox is leaving lane so that he doesn't have to fight Fiora, roaming, getting a bunch of kills, and the Fioras are doing things like freezing, and the, the, the freeze is essentially making it so that, like, Aatrox can leave lane freely, come back, and catch the entire wave. So we're seeing all of these situations where, like, you're, you're doing the counter pick, but then you're not playing around the fact that you have the counter pick and the fact that you can win the 1v1. So you're doing things like freezing the lane while he's on roam. And just giving him a, a slow push double wave. Yeah, I always want to be proved wrong, but it, you, as much as you're like, oh, things must be so different for you, it's like it, things are less different for me. I'm coming back to league and looking at North America losing. It's not. I feel so at home. It's it's like this is this, this is what I remember when I watched international league. You're right. But it's interesting to know the why. It's interesting to know the why. It is. It, it is. It's just weird that this always happens. It's it's. It's just funny, like, what is what, like what is going on? They're cursed. They're choking like, so they're, bad. It's They're cursed. Like, why can they do and, so well in playing? And, and I bring and, this up because, like, uh, Sran, you are gold? Uh, yeah. I'm and Sran is silver, and, and I really want him to get gold because... But I also don't, like, I don't play ranked. I get to gold and then I stop. Yeah, but I'm just saying that whether or not Sran could execute on these kind of things, it's more interesting that, you know... 
someone who is hard stuck silver who is probably playing at more of like a gold level is watching these pro players and is really like oh this looks like this is not going to pan out well and then like it, it doesn't for the for the reasons that he's saying like but you guys are playing at the highest level like why the, the things that you're saying the things that you just said like your counter it, it's like north america can only take the 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 one step in the mind game so the other, so North America's like we'll play we'll take the big step of letting the Aatrox through so that we counterpick Fiora done and done it's gonna work out perfectly and then they don't take the next mind game step where the the other regions take where they're just like okay well we won't well I'll leave lane and I'll and I'll like I'll I'll show you that like Aatrox is better overall for like either late game or team fights or roaming and then I'll just come back and like you're sitting there freezing lane. Like you didn't think about this at all, did you? Like you, I mean, you, they, you got they as far draft as... a pick comp and then they go for the team fight. I don't know. Like, will it, it's impossible to really understand without the comms. And, and I bet that like their coaching team or stuff like that could be like, no, you're wrong because X, Y, Z, right? Like this was the plan and sure. the plan just failed. You'd hope so. You honestly would hope but so. And it's like, are they making like? Are they making those? Goals? Maybe they're overcomplicating it. Like it's impossible to know. Yeah. Like maybe they have like things that are seven layers deep when you really only need to be three layers deep. Like it's that it's they, so hard for me to understand. <laughs> I I, I'll I'll go with the more like Occam's razor. Like they're, they they just be screwing up, and you go with the like eighth dimension chess that they're like <laughs> creating their own problems, but. It'll be interesting to see the rest of it. League is fun to watch. It certainly is fun to watch. Um, it's it's interesting to me with how many characters that are in League, how um, many picks there are, bans, strategies, and like everything. And that and that it, it's also um, neat to return to League and uh, not having played in a long time, just you know recognize almost everything. Um, there's very little like yeah. they, they. It's not like they're coming out with characters or doing reworks at such a speed that. I'm un I feel unfamiliar. Um, so yeah. So, I, I... so and so far at Worlds, um, if you when you include the the plans, I think we've seen over a hundred characters uh, out of you know I think out of like one forty. It's like it's pretty good. Like that's like a I, I feel like that's like a pretty good number. That's a fantastic number. You can't aim for every character being played, right? Like that's not even like who. That's not realistic for different for multiple reasons. But I, but that that is that is good so far. And the um, it's in Madison Square Garden, um, which is sad because that like for for how disappointing it's been for North America. I just it's like a bummer because whether or not like if if it were happening, if the home team is winning, even if you're losing or at, or at the very least, if if it's like. Two, region two regions that you don't really have an opinion on but their home team is winning then the crowd is like going buck wild and that's pretty cool i think that there are a lot of lpl fans in the audience oh, i know yeah, that there are that um there is like a uh first of all like the audience goes crazy a lot of times that chinese people uh speak when like they're speaking mandarin mandarin yeah and so, you know that they understand so you know that they understand like what was being said um i know that a couple people have like assumed that there is a lot of lpl fans and then in games that are like na lpl then basically like half the audience cheers for any anything happening so like so like that that is positive but it is a bummer when it's like like that first game just like uh you know like north america just getting crushed by europeans or something it's like oh come on get your, get your head in the game get you get you get you get your head in the game get you get you get you get your head in the game right right are north americans making it out of pools uh it's possible 
it's not completely impossible yet. Hell yeah. What have you been gaming I mean, on? Too much. So much that I was trying to write notes and I do didn't have to, time. Do you want me to, to talk while you write notes? Um, yeah, tell me about something you've been playing. Uh, so I'll real, ask a bunch of questions. Real quick, I finished Hack, which is what I was talking about last week. Uh, I did get like a bad ending and you have to do more to get uh -oh. a good ending. But uh -oh. it's like, why do that? Sometimes when credits roll, it's like I got enough going on now that I don't know if I need that but i had such a good time with it i don't know maybe i'll return to it but probably not i was playing moon scars that is a oh yeah what what is that exactly? moon scars oh oh yeah this is, is like the challenging yes super hard uh, moon scars is closest to salt and sanctuary moon scars is uh, i'm playing so many because of the steam deck uh uh you know our biggest viewers will know that biggest our so biggest largest our most overweight viewers what did what do you I think yeah, I said on. it correctly. Our most overweight viewers will know that I'm playing so much on the Steam Deck, and I've been playing all these like 8-bit-ish, uh, high, what, what, high pixel, like uh, high resy kind of looking games. Um, and this game uh, just was right up my alley. Uh, uh, lore, like like aesthetic wise, you play as this crazy, like you know, long white haired like sword maiden with a giant bastard sword called gray Irma. And the lore is impenetrable. It is like, they really took that dark souls confusion and took it to the nth degree where just it is incomprehensible. But as much as I can get, is that like, there's a creator that makes these souls that can pass from, they're called like, you are a clayborn, which can jump its soul into another similar body so that like whenever you're dying you're like lore wise being killed but your soul is going into a new clay body of gray irma whatever but um mm -hmm. yeah this is close this is a two a golem you are a go you are a golem um a golem. Uh, uh this is a 2d platforming um uh it is not really metroidvania it is like salt and sanctuary it is closer to dark souls than anything else um with with a little bit less rpg um uh the this game has some kind of interesting things but what is really kind of holding it back is that it is brutal it is one of the hardest games i've ever played it is so on it's so powerfully unfriendly um is it worth it i mean the combat feels really good and if you just watch, you know, some the the trailer or anything, how the sprites move and animate and the impact of things is fantastic. You get these um uh your your main attack, your main weapon is like a, this bastard sword and then you get um a uh, uh like a heavy attack and the heavy attack animations are so cool, so impactful, like spinning a javelin and then throwing this like massive javelin and hitting enemies and impaling them and like flinging them forward. And there'll be like spikes on walls that you can like insta kill enemies on. But it is so, so hard. The first boss of it, th there are reviewers that quit uh, before finishing the first boss. Um, I finished it, but I, it must have taken me um, like 30, 40 tries. It was so challenging. And as far as I can tell, another big thing is that whenever you die in this game, um, it has a 
uh, dark. So, so a lot of the Dark Souls mechanics are at play here. When you die, um, you drop your souls. Now, normally, like I'm fine with that. We've been doing that forever. That is not a new thing. I'm not like saying that that is a cool, unique thing. The thing that this game does, though, is that the things that you're getting from the souls they don't feel like so powerful and you're not leveling up stat wise so you, you don't feel like you're doing getting stronger and then more frustratingly um even very early on they're asking you to have a real lot of souls to get these like passives which are like like it gives you spells basically um spells like uh, for, for example, like I have one that poisons my sword so that whenever I hit an enemy, it stacks poison. I have one where it does like I explode in an AoE. I have one that's like a Kamehameha. Um, but to level them up to do more damage, even very, very early on, you have to hold like an amount of souls for a really long time um, because like it's just not enough. Like they're asking so much, which means that in this game, like I have... Because I'm having to hold on to the souls for so long, and because the game is so unpunishing and I die so often, it's really common for me to, like, kill a boss or a mini-boss, have a lot of souls, don't have enough to level up, have to keep going, die, and then some random thing, like, two-shots me or one-shots me on the way back, and I lose all the souls that I got from the boss and I haven't leveled anything up, and that is that sucks. Um, whenever another thing that happens is, like, similar to older Dark Souls, there's a huge punishment for death which I don't think is, like, a fantastic mechanic because the game is punishing you for being bad at it, but the moon gets, like, redder every single time you die, and you can pay... It's, like, kind of the humanity thing. Like, the dark, like in Dark Souls, you would, like, hollow and lose some of your health. So when, when you die, the, the enemies get increasingly more aggressive and have access to new attacks, and I think it spawns other enemies... Um, so the game continually gets harder and you can like calm the moon down with these, like, I, I don't know, some consumable thing that you don't really get a lot of, like, just think humanities. And that also sucks. Um, and like, it's just, the game is so, this game is so powerfully punishing that it, it is, a part, it is like too much of a part of it. It is like, you know, I, sure. I, I feel like th th this is a game that will hit for someone who really wants that, like unbelievable like it, it really wants this challenge but it's not a super enjoyable thing to do on your day off it, it like I, I as much as i love so many things going on with it i am i'm like not itching to get back to moon scars because it is it is powerfully frustrating well i mean you have plenty of other stuff to play on that steam deck though right i do and, a... I, and 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 to do a little bit of a crossover uh you recommended me a fantastic game fant phenomenal game bone razor minions that played the shit out of this game oh uh, yeah i've been into this game this is fantastic uh, this is a bullet heaven game which i guess is because we were just talking about um what do you call these reverse bullet hell games these like games where uh vampire vampire survivors um until dawn or uh, what is it? Twenty minutes. Twenty minutes till, till dawn. dawn. Yeah, until dawn is a completely different. Um, what do you play? What do you call these games where you? It's a roguelike. You start out and you start getting things, and now you're like exploding minions, and there's more minions just kind of slowly walking at you. So what do you call these kind of things? I guess bullet heaven. Um, this is this is I I love things with a uh, where where you have little people doing your bidding. So oh, yeah. this really ticks a lot of boxes. You, you would have loved um uh, the. 1800s oh if i was like a a, a vassal and i had right. surf for me yeah there you go if you uh were like had a well surf the 1800s 
or not quite a feudal era. I don't know what I just did in my brain, but you would have loved the before times. I would have loved the before you would have or you would have been one of the or you would have been one of the the sad peons begging for a bowl of grain well if if anything you know if my current life is anything then yes i would have been one of those i'm not like super rich or famous or born to noble blood so yes i would have been a born of the noble born of the noble blood tell me about neither are these bone razor uh yeah so this game has uh it, it does distinguish itself in this space in a number of ways. So it, it's got like a fun uh, Super Nintendo style to it. It's very, uh, it's very dark. It is very, um, there is a lot of black and dark purples. Uh, so much so that sometimes uh, it can be hard to find your guy. On yeah, the can we talk about that a little bit more later? Because that's, uh, I, I have more to say on that. Because that is like yeah, a big but, gripe, but But more importantly, yeah, so... Uh, in a lot of these games, you are leveling up and then you are selecting an ability or leveling up an ability. In this game, that is proxied by uh, minions. So you are either on level up getting a new minion or upgrading an existing minion and later on uh, fusing minions together to make a stronger demonic version of it. Or a giant version. Or a giant version. And this game has a ton of stuff going on in the metagame. Uh, so unlike Vampire Survivor, where you're walking through like these massive areas, Bone Razor Minions is confined to an arena, but it is an arena that eventually becomes modular, where you're switching parts of it in and out uh, to put like traps on the ground or to like plant pumpkins. And then if you have pumpkins down, you can raise special like pumpkin minions and you can also there's like a pumpkin where if you go near it you can trigger it and detonate it so if if like a huge wave of minions is coming you can kind of like stand near it detonate it uh, or get it going and then have the minions and like another like the only thing it should be said that the only thing that you can do is is uh dash that is your only yeah. real ability um and you can uh you I go well I guess you can dash and you can summon you have like these scrolls to, to do um yeah, one time magic yeah one time magic uh spells and you're like you know you're picking up spells and using spells um but mainly for the most part what you're doing is just evading minions like you would do in a lot of these games um the the dash feels pretty good uh there is a charge dash which is like the most important thing you can sit there and hold a for about three seconds and then uh, charge with complete iframes like you're completely invincible as you're charging to another side of the arena so like you can you know detonate a pumpkin like have a pumpkin ready to detonate as enemies are closing in on you and dash away so there's some really cool strategies um, like you said that there there's so much you can customize the arena with either there's there's um, stuff that let you uh, have more of one type of minion or power up a type of minion or stuff that like scarecrows that slow enemies down there's treasure chests that you can put in where you can get um, money uh, for the metagame uh, right at the start of the the round you can uh, I, I I have those like f flame posts where they just keep igniting the ground below them so I, I do that that is probably one of the more unique aspects of it yeah, it also has a very large uh, meta game structure uh, where in, in Vampire Survivor, there is like some really powerful meta game pieces like the duplicator that you can get and obviously like unlocking weapons. Uh, but in this one, you are unlocking raw power. 
you are unlocking just like your class talents, which are like really big things like moving faster, dealing more damage, pretty much like all of those types of things, getting more treasure, uh, unlocking new classes with better specializations because the first class you start with is kind of an all-arounder. Uh, and then the other metagame system is uh, scaling the enemies up, uh, which adds challenge, but also gives you uh, better loot, more experience. So you're creating like a faster ramp. Yeah. Um, I, so I really like so many things about this game. Um, I just love this genre. So so I, I am enjoying the hell of this game. I, I unlocked every metagame thing. It's a $3 game. Also. Uh, it's a $3 game. Probably should have said that up front. This is one of those, this is like with a la Vampire Survivor is so cheap that like, if you even have a modicum of interest in it, then buy it. It's like less than uh, fries. Um, so I, I like so much about it. I will say that I have two kind of major gripes with it. Um, one of those gripes is what you said before, and that is the screen is a mess. And it's really, really hard to tell what's going on a lot of times or if you're going to get hurt, uh, your minions, like when it gets kind of later in the game, not only is there tons of enemy minions, but there's your minions and everything is like, there's no sort of like color coding. Um, you just kind of have your, your minions wandering around and like overlapping with tons of other minions, uh, enemies coming. So it's like this, this has been an issue. I feel like in this genre, I, I complained about this in 20 minutes till dawn where, like as you're getting later in the game you would get like a dragon egg and the dragon egg floats around you in a circle and it's a pretty big sprite and it's not like since enemies are just constantly closing in on you and you're just kind of weaving through them it was very easy for an enemy to just kind of hide underneath that for a second and then be close enough to like hit me and in this game it's just like a mess like i like my my minions are all over the place the enemies are all over the place it's hard to tell like where i'm safe and where i'm i'm not safe um yeah Another complaint that I would have is that it's very hard for me to tell what, um, like, you, you do unlock stats. It's it, This game is very weird about uh, having you meta progress for, like, basic quality of life. Like, for example, for in the beginning, at, at the end of the game, the game just, at the end, whenever you die, the game just ends and that's it. Um, and you have no stats to go on to, to see, like, well, was anything working? Like, what was a good minion? What's doing damage? Um, and you eventually like pay to in the game in game currency to unlock a stat screen. But even then, it's kind of difficult for me to tell like what are good minions and um, how are are they like synergizing at all. I don't really have a good idea generally when I'm leveling up um, what I I should be picking a lot of times. The warlock. The warlock is pretty good. Get the uh, warlock. Um, is he? I mean, like I I do I, I feel like the, the skewer. skewer the skewer usually does a lot of damage, so I usually go with the skewer. But it's it's hard to say a lot of times. Like it's like there's all these different types of minions, and there's just like cute little text that is like the the flame bro shall follow by thy side and explodeth near enemies. But I don't really have a good concept of like well, a couple characters do that. I don't really know what that means. Like there's. There's some there's tons of characters like the there's the the bone razor guard or whatever and it just says like shall swing thy sword but like what does it do is it guarding me like is it does it stand close to me and like try to kill the closest minion like what I don't really understand what any of the minions are doing so 
I haven't ever really felt like there's much of a build concept. Um, yeah, I felt you like want that... the, you want the play by play. I, kind of. I mean, like one thing that that that, uh, you, that I and I think you also like in these games is uh, having that synergy where. In, in, I mean, this is just a roguelike thing in general is, you know, you, you get something early on and then you're like, oh, the, I got a poison thing. I'm going to start going poison. And then something, it kind of explodes that build where you get another thing. And now you're like, oh, my God, now my poison's like stacking double. This is amazing. This is I'm having like a dream run right now. Like that's what you play these games for. And I don't feel like this game has much of a dream run concept. Like maybe with some of the relics, like I, I, I noticed that there's a relic that Give, makes it so that there's a chance that whenever you uh, level up and get a minion, um, that you can get another relic, which can make it so that you can start to like snowball a bit more, or one that makes it so that whenever you open a chest, you can have a chance to get a relic. So those things yeah, snowball I, a little I, bit I, more. I feel like there's like there there is some stuff with I, I do agree with you with the relics and and with the classes. I feel like relic and class mixes more so than the minions because also in this game you are at some point just pumping them out you are just producing so many minions yeah that they become kind of like a, a non-issue there, there are some fun like class strategies like i like the um i i forget what it is it's like i i think it might actually just be called like the necromancer or something is that that's it's the, the one that this the sin demonologist uh, no the one that works off of level ones like level one creatures where the more level one creatures you have the more damage you have so his idea is you're not building uh, your guys up. Oh, you're, you're just, just getting the level, like ones, level ones and just getting tons and tons of them. And there'll be there are fun relics that like work around with that. And there are demonologist relics and stuff that that do kind of give you that. But I, I agree that it's not like you're concocting this like perfect storm. Yeah, and I never really feel like it's just like you get out of hand or you don't and it's and it really is a little bit more based in the relics than it is anything else and the actual minion portion of it like i'm not really ever sure why i'm picking up the minions i it's a three dollar game like i i really can't complain that much but it would be kind of cool if there was just a lot more of some of the things um yeah, well, I, they, they up, and they update it's early access and they update it every monday it would be really cool to see um relics that synergize um so there's like the, oh the, yeah there's like, the different yeah, I know. Like things. classes of relics and if you collect three of the same class like an auto like a like a team fight tactics right yeah something like that or just yeah. something that is just like uh you're they, like uh, these games work in like interesting ways and i don't know how the developers coded it but there's there's like a couple minions that explode in different ways. So what if there was a relic that was like your minions that explode like explode on a shorter cooldown and then reactivate or quicker twice, yeah. Or or do it twice. Or 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 how about like the minions that have like the tangler minions or whatever that cause like slow fields on the ground. It like doubles that or hurts people when they walk in them. And then you can add like then there'd be like a flame bro that does that and a pumpkin that does tangler and a bone racer that does. So then you could just have these kind of like relics that are like oh now i i just got this relic and it synergizes with this type of with um range there's because there's archers and there's pistoliers and stuff like that so if there was if there was relics that kind of pointed you in a direction and then got things going off or you know melee if anything like it's just that the game doesn't do that at all um and i guess that's fine whatever it's a three dollar game and it's fantastic for for what it is um but it would be kind of cool to see that kind of stuff it'd be kind of cool to see 
the game have some more synergies and for there to be more reason to pick some of the minions or just like think about minion picks because as it is it's like i usually either just pick a minion that i think is strong and anyway or i just like level up a minion that's already kind of starting to level up a lot Uh, or just if you see like some of the crazier things like the giant or the possessed minions is like okay i'll just get the giant or the possessed one like i don't i don't really think that much about it and it's like not that interesting um yeah it's a great game out um so steam next fest is going on right now and one of these games that I think looks really promising is Soulstone Survivors. I've heard about and this. And I think this is the one that I, I think people are talking about the most uh, because it's boasting a lot. So it's boasting that in early access, it's going to have st- like around 140 uh, spells. So 100, like uh, consider this like 140 different weapons in like a Vampire Survivors game. Uh, with like 14 characters slated for early access, 21 in total. And so I played some of this, and I think it has some of the stuff that you're looking for, where you'll find like an item or a passive that's like boosting your holy damage, and then you find like multiple holy spells uh, that are working together that are like synergizing well with your stuff. And my understanding also, and I could be wrong about this, but it's also going to have like diablo style randomized loot drops so that you're like picking up this loot and you're getting spells and leveling up and getting passives so i i I would see this somewhere between like a vampire survivors meets diablo kind of with the style of like a risk of rain 2 but i will say that when i played the demo of this i found it to be the most readable of any of these games and i think that's because it really goes for like um Enemies aren't dealing damage necessarily by walking into you. They're dealing damage with like MMO style abilities that are creating like uh, circles and like radius on the ground. So you can actually like see the impending damage coming out before it does. Sure. We call those telegraphs. Telegraphs. In the business. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that maybe maybe check this game out. The full release isn't for another month. Uh, but you know, Steam Next Fest is going on, so there's like a demo where you could play like the first three characters, the first level. Um, right now, it's kind of sparse, but it, it looks promising. Hell yeah, I do want to check this out. I, I certainly will. So uh, another one of these, and I, I guess that we're just becoming a um, a podcast that talks about these types of games. October 11th, her name was Fire. It's coming out another one of these. <laughs> really? Yep. This is a this is a genre. So one of these that I've been playing that is the ugliest one. But Tell me about the ugliest one of these. Uh, Spirit Hunters Infinite Horde. That's a lot of words. It's, so take a look at this one. It is by far the ugliest one. Take a look at this one. But it's also pretty addicting, and y- you do feel like a really strong power ramp. So the thing that makes uh, this one unique is that... Uh, when you choose a starting class, you also choose a starting weapon. And the weapons all have different abilities based on the starting class. It's not so ugly. You really are overselling that. You like, you think the way that it looks, you, you don't I don't think, think that it looks ugly. fantastic, but it's like, I, I don't know. You know what it almost reminds me of? Are you watching a video? Yes. Okay. I Because there's no animation, like there's very little animation so everything is oh, now just I'm watching kind a video. of like yeah. well, I mean, floating. Yeah, the character just floats. Just yeah, kind of slides. In, in like the way that it looks when it's actually like in motion is bad. 
Like the actual sprite work, like fine, yeah, the sprites look fine, but like the fact that nothing moves is like it, it's weird looking. Tell me more uh, about Spirit Hunters Infinite Horde. I don't know. There, there's something about this one that I that I do find to be really fun, even though I, I feel like it really is just like find the weapon that you drive with the most and just keep, uh, like keep powering into it to just like ramp the one weapon and, and the weapons ramp infinitely it's not like they get to seven and they stop you you can like put 25 levels into a single weapon and just make it like super duper powerful but i i think that this one is the grindiest of any of these where every after every level you're going down like this massive like path of exile uh sphere grid and the nodes on the sphere grid are upgrading specific weapons so you're kind of incentivized to like find the one weapon you like and just get all the nodes of it on the sphere grid like path to the other parts of it and then just like your run is kind of based on how many levels of this one weapon that i've pumped a bunch of this into am i gonna find so like oh i i pumped all of my uh my talent points into holy arrow but if I don't find enough levels for Holy Arrow, then I'm going to get screwed, you know? Mm-hmm. Looks pretty good. Um, doesn't doesn't look fantastic in play, but... I mean, it's fine for a $5 game, but also $5, you could buy two of these games. Dollars. I know, these bullet heaven... Also, it's still, it's still weird because Steam just calls them like roguelite bullet hell. Action roguelike is yeah. the tag that people have been assigning. Is it? It's weird because it's not action. It's almost it's, like this. A lot of the the games in this genre are defined by their lack of action. There, it's like you pick up things and then things are happening, and you're just kind of more trying to like evade and stay alive while your things are doing the things. Yeah, yeah. I understand what you mean. They're almost like a one one stick games. They are not always because you have like twenty minutes. Well, yeah, twenty minutes is like game. that's a, that is action. That is like you're legit shooting the minions. You are the bullet hell. But um, in, in these other games like Vampire Survivors or uh, Bone Razor Minions, like you're just kind of trying to stay alive while your while your your whips do their whipping, or you know your holy water does its watering. Your crosses yeah. do their crossing. Yeah. So another, I, I guess it's like a, it's a real roguelite podcast. Uh, I also checked out, and this is on Game Pass, Despot's game, which is a roguelite auto battler. So it's like a team fight tactics game, but it is mostly PVE. Uh, there are some sections where like you're fighting other players, but it's mostly PVE. And you are just like doing the team fight tactics thing of trying to get multiple characters of the same class and uh, arranging them in a grid in a way that is like beneficial to you. Uh, it has kind of a, it's got kind of a cool style to it that I, I don't know exactly how to articulate, but it is like this uh, apocalyptic game show that is taking place in this like doomed robotic dungeon. You know what it looks like is it looks like the third chapter of Inscription, where okay. it is you are in like that that like cyber are like cyber apocalyptic is almost what I would refer to it as. Why not? And and the classes are are interesting and like the combinations that you get are interesting. So there's like a cultist class where if you get three of them, you summon this tentacle monster that like floats around 
uh, there's like a class that is based on there's a medic class which obviously you're gonna want some of like tanking classes uh, it's it's pretty fun and it is a pretty casual game but there is a couple of issues I have with it so first off I feel like um, you see most of it early on uh, and, and so that is kind of a bummer where like you, you see so much of the game like right away that it doesn't and I so that like I don't feel incentivized to keep going outside of the like challenge of beating things but at the same time it's kind of like this auto battler so it's kind of like in a way you're get you get what you get there's more to it where there's like um, talent trees and things like that that you're upgrading there are different like starting rosters that you unlock as you play where it's like, oh, once you once you have three throwers, you get this like a uh, starting class that has like multiple throwers in it with their own tech trees and things like that. So there is a bit of like differentiation to see that. Oh, um, yeah, I do feel like I've seen like all of the classes that are available. And there is this one mechanic that I find to be really annoying. And I understand why it's there, but it is a food mechanic where as you as your team grows uh, and you move through the map, it requires food. And the bigger your team is, the more food that they require as they move through. And if you run out of food, they start to take extra damage. And you can, as a way to stave this off, um, uh, turn your your team into food. Oh, yeah. Uh, All right. But. It's a fine game. I don't think that, I mean, for me, I don't think it's worth the $20 asking price, but I do think that for being on Game Pass, uh, it's worth checking out on that on that Game Pass. Oh, hell yeah. But that's not the only roguelite I played, because I also played all the ones I mentioned earlier, plus I played Vault of the Void. Oh, yeah. Tell me about this one. This is a card game. This is a card game. Um, did, oh, I wanted to ask, did you play this on deck? I did not. But I really want to. I really wonder if it's deck compatible. Well, it says playable, and if you that check it out, mean and, that. yeah, I mean you can when when you click the the thing, it tells you uh, what would make it not playable. So it says sometimes shows mouse and keyboard or non Steam Deck controller icon. Some text requires manual invoking of the on screen keyboard. That manual I don't invoking. think is true. I don't know if that's true. Uh, but this one, some in-game text is small and may be difficult to read. That, happens. that one, I that, that one I would on believe. Deck, yeah. That one I would believe. Uh, so this game is at the cross section of Slay the Spire and Hearthstone. Fantastic. So you are starting out a run. You're choosing one of four characters at the start. You only have access to one character. Um, so have you heard this before? Have uh, you heard this? Very, very much have like Slay the Spire. Uh, with some things that make it very different. So in this game, you you choose one of your, one of two starting decks, and you are switching cards in and out of the deck instead of having the situation where it's like, oh, I'm permanently removing a card from my deck, and now my deck is smaller. In this, your deck is always 20 cards, and you have a book of cards. And you collect cards, and then you could like slot them in and out. And you could create builds like you could create like in one run, three different builds where it's like, oh, for this fight, I'm going to need a lot of AOE. So I'm going to switch my AOE cards in uh, for for this fight. And then I'm going to go back to my primary or like, oh, I have these cards that are like really good for boss killing. So I'm going to put them aside. And then once I get to the boss, I'm going to slot them in. So that makes it different. There's also this. um. Voidstone system, 
where you are buffing cards by socketing in different stones with different abilities. Uh, there'll be things like uh, when you play this card, it adds four block. Whenever you play this card, add a phantom copy of this card to your hand so you can essentially like play one card twice. Or this card overcharges you, giving you an extra energy point, stuff like that. Uh, similar to Slay the Spire, each card can be upgraded once to a stronger version of itself. Uh, it also has lower RNG than most of these other games. Uh, Slay the Spire, I feel like you kind of like make your own destiny when it comes. But the way that they sort of make it so that every card that you draw is useful is that any card that you draw can be purged uh, for mana. And purge is just discarding. So you can discard any card you draw for mana, which essentially means that like no draw is useless because you can always just trash a card to get mana. That's really cool. So that that is like neat and flexible. And obviously there will be, you know, there are classes that synergize off of uh, purging. The last class that you unlock has this like stacking damage. So at the start of the game, they deal no damage. Um, but every card they purge adds to the damage they do. So they'll like ramp up over time and eventually like be able to deal like this massive one shot. How, um, what, do you, what do you think about the aesthetic? I like it. It reminds me of a, a lot of these other games. I don't know. Uh, I think it's pretty neat. Um, I, I don't have any uh, qualms. Of, why? What do you think of it? I thought it looked okay. I thought it looked pretty good, but I haven't really seen much of it in motion. And I, I think I, the I do board it looks out. bad. Yeah. I think the board looks bad, but I think that like the the in like the the cards look good. Um, so some people might consider this a good thing. Some people might consider this a bad thing. Um, but aside from unlocking the characters, uh, there are no unlocks that are giving you like new cards. Like at, at the end of like a Slay the Spire run or a Monster Train run, you're like leveling up that character and like unlocking more cards that you'll see in later runs. That is not the case here. Instead, you are only unlocking uh, the characters and uh, aesthetics. So you're unlocking different like um, card backs, you're unlocking different uh, purge effects, different like, uh, yeah, just, just like all that kind of stuff, holographic versions of cards. Uh, but for the most part, you're, you're not really unlocking anything that's going to uh, change your run next time. And some people might like that, right? Like some people like the idea of like, I'm going to play this class and I, right away, I'm going to have the ability to see everything that this class has to offer. It's a very deep game. Like the the abilities are very like, this game has way more going on uh, than Slay the Spire. Even wow. though I think that Slay the Spire overall is a more elegant. Like this game is a bit maybe heavier than it needs. Okay. With so many keywords this game is packed feeling real hearthstone oh yeah yeah definitely with the keywords very hearthstone but you hover over any card and it tells you what they do unless you're on the steam deck and then uh the text would probably be very small so you recommend it yeah i recommend it i mean i i feel like based on what i've said you probably know if this game is for you it is so um I, so uh, you want to hear about dark cloud 2 okay tell me about dark cloud 2 uh i it took me a long time to get emulation going. Um, so if you have a Steam Deck or if you've played around with your Steam Deck at all, you might know that it is simply a Linux computer with Steam like opening up when it opens. But if you hold the Steam button, you could just go to the desktop and then bam, you're pretty much just on like a Linux computer. So from that interface, you can 
uh, install emulators, do all the things that you could pretty much do on a PC. And there is this very handy application called EmuDeck, which makes it so that any emulators that you install and any ROMs that you install in the system, uh, they just look like games. And so I have it set up that like in my Steam library on my Steam Deck is just Dark Cloud 2. Yeah. Uh, which is one of the best games of all time. So uh, say so the James Mason, sure. Uh, so, so that's been enjoyable to play. It runs uh, perfect. It runs, obvi obviously it runs better than it ever ran on the PlayStation 2. But one thing that I did find funny is that uh, there was a game that I ran, there was a bug that I ran into uh, that caused the game to crash. And I was like, oh, geez, I don't want to have to like troubleshoot this emulator or troubleshoot this ROM. But I, I searched for the problem and I found a thread that was like 14, 15 years old because this bug was in the original version of Dark Cloud. And it's funny to think about that, that there are just, um, you know, back in the day, if there was a bug in the game, uh, it just again. never got fixed. Yeah, yeah, there was no patches. So it was never fixed. And it is, is still exists in this emulated copy where... If you do the specific set of sequences, you will softlock the game. So someone was like, oh, if you softlock here, push down both trigger, both uh, joysticks and just rotate them. And that will cause you to not softlock. And I was like, there's no fucking way that's possible. But that happened and I, I did it and it worked. So I got past the softlock, which is pretty early in the game. And I've, I've just been uh, chipping away at it. I'm still in the first dungeon. Still a very good game. The I, I don't know if you've ever played it, but one of the uh, things that like one of the cornerstones of the game is that your character is an inventor and gets access to uh, like a camera and anywhere in the environment you just like can take photos of things and you can combine three photos like three ideas to create something new. So if you take a photo of I think it's like like a uh, fountain, uh, wheat flour, and a bakery sign, your character learns how to make bread. And from then on, you can... That's you what happened in real life, too, actually. Yeah. Uh, and your character has access to uh, this mech, and the mech will have these, like, interchangeable body parts uh, that you are finding through having ideas based on the things that you took photos of in the environment. Uh, so in, in very JRPG fashion, though, uh, there are ideas that you can miss. Uh, specifically related to boss fights, where if you snap a photo of a boss uh, when they're doing a specific attack, uh, that is one of the ideas that you can use to concoct like some of the, the gear later on. And those are missable. Very, very, very uh, JRPG. It reminds me of like in Final Fantasy XII, where it's like if there, there are specific chests where if you open them, you can't get the best weapons in the game. Oh, really? Yeah, I remember something. Uh, so I'm playing uh, with a with a guide that will remind me uh, not to miss these things. Fantastic. I feel Does like I used Cloud to have too? I feel like I used to have the Prima guide. I wonder if I could get like a a PDF for that. Let me see. Dark I mean, I'm Cloud. sure you can. I got I had the Prima guide or I had the uh, official Nintendo guide for Ocarina of Time, and I had like a Bible. I I, I just right. would constantly yeah, so read it. It's forty dollars to eBay it, or here's a download of it. Is this a live download? Well, I just wanted to see if it exists. Hell yeah. Should we talk about something else? What do you got? I have something that's interesting to talk about, but not as interesting to play, and that is Overwatch 2. 
Um, I, while in Philly, I I played a little Overwatch Two. I played a a, a fair it's amount. Available in Philly. I fa- it's available in Philly. Uh, I played a fair amount. Uh, uh, it's somewhat available. In- it's it's so it's as available as it's gonna get. Um, so I played. No, f- I feel like it's, it's gonna getting get more, more and more available. It'll get more available eventually. Um, well, it was available as it was gonna get at the time. So uh, Overwatch, uh, uh, we've said so much on this. I loved Overwatch so much. Uh, Overwatch was my game of the year, um, the year it didn't come out. And I think Overwatch it actually was might probably yeah. my most anticipated. Like in terms of games I've anticipated throughout my life, Overwatch was one of the games I wanted the most. I absolutely agree with you for the the year that before Overwatch came out the, when the Overwatch beta was the beta was the best thing I played that year and I was so hyped for it and I you know as I play a lot of Valorant as as we do um, I, I often want a game that is like beta uh, or early early Overwatch something that is buck wild that is kind of a little bit metalist that is a little bit more insane a, a smash brothers kind of with items on uh you know if you will something that something that is like not gonna get too sweaty and it's gonna be kind of fun but at the same time like you can kind of play it and like we could still get better at it but it's not yeah. like you know well i mean modern to... warfare comes out in a couple of... there's that i guess so so yeah early on i really loved uh overwatch so much it was one of my favorite games i've ever played of all time the beta of overwatch and i really just loved it so much blizzard just like did a phenomenal job with that initial roster those initial maps and everything was perfect um and i just had a great time with it um and we fell off of Overwatch, and Blizzard has made a lot of mistakes. And Overwatch 2 is a launch that is marred by a lot of weird things. Obviously, Jeff Kaplan left, and there's not really that kind of like uh, driving force behind the team, it feels like. Increasingly, Blizzard is um, just an amalgamation. It is like a uh, uh, servant to the Activision god, and it just feels like... Oh, time and time again, it feels like, why can't they just get a win? You know, like it's, it's, why can't they just do one thing that is like, this is awesome. This is like old Blizzard. This is obviously a, a, a great thing for the fans. So Overwatch 2 is just so weird. Like getting, taking, not even taking into an account all the incredible problems with the servers, which are like worse than I've seen in years. This is like back, th- this will give you a real flashback to like, you know, MMOs coming out. This will give you a flashback to the launches of, uh, of like maybe like Lich King or something where the servers could not handle it and you're sitting for hours and then it would be multiple times where they take the servers down for, for fixes. So that kind of stuff was happening. Donkey has a funny video about not being able to play Overwatch at all. And uh, so it's a mess getting in. And then even when you get in, the second mess is that the queue times are very long. These two things don't make any sense to me. Obviously, there's some sort of back-end problem, but it's it's pretty whack that you can spend about two hours in queue times, get in, and then spend 10 minutes waiting for a queue. So not, none of that is good. And, and now, moving away from that actual problem, um, if you don't have... If you didn't have Overwatch 1, um, over, you can get Overwatch 2 but you won't have most of the cast, even though these are, like, kind of old characters. I don't, I don't understand that. Which is so, really weird. It's a super so bizarre choice. Can you can you explain to me how, then, you get the old characters? I think by... It says you can get them by saving up the in-game currency kind of stuff, but the in-game currency is so slow. I think there someone mathed it out where it was, like, if you want to... 
unlock like characters and colors it would take like if i think if you'd want to lock the characters it'd be like 15 years of playing or something insane i feel it, like people there that's a lie that that must be that could, like, it could I be a lie but but this is the company that made diablo and people i feel like this stuff always comes up and a lot of it is exaggeration um so i'm looking at something here for how Rock exaggerated was it when when people were saying it took like ten thousand dollars to make a gem in diablo Okay, but here's the thing. Why would you need that gem? To be the best. I don't know. They're just they're just saying that, that like to make a high quality gem. Yeah, but that but that is a gem. That that gem is such a luxury item to give it, it gives you a level of power that is unnecessary to see everything in the you yeah, know but what I there's, mean? There's PvP, so that's there you go. There is, but I mean you if big you're simping playing PvP for them, and but, Diablo, you have but your own continue. Problems. But so, I did look on Rock, Paper, Shotgun, and it looks like this is how you unlock the character. Genji, play one match. Diva, two. Cassidy, three. Ana, four. Hanzo, nine. Junkrat, 12. By the time you've played uh, 150 matches, you have access to the entire roster. Okay, so that's not that bad. That's not that bad. That's not that bad. Um, and and it, 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 it's, not the, it's not the worst that, it's, that they, like, cordon stuff off like that. Um and you get Genji after one match. Which you get Genji you after one match, really so you won't even need to pick. A, you won't even need to pick again. So, yeah. so there you go. Um, what the big kind of there's a couple weird. So, I want the biggest weirdest thing about it is that there is no Overwatch one. It's kind of weird because this is, especially as it stands right now, this is what in my mind is the equivalent of like one or two patches. It is they they essentially added from Overwatch one to now. The major differences is that there is one character in each role. There is a new tank, there is a new damage dealer, and there is a new healer. And the biggest change would be that it used to be um, two 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 format when, because eventually Overwatch became stuck into like the role meta. So it was two tanks, two DPS, two healers. And now we're down to one tank, and they buffed all the tanks a lot to be even stronger and scarier to kind of make up for that lack of another tank and uh, two DPS, two healers. So uh, that was kind of the biggest change. But overall, it's kind of really, it's really weird to go to to say it's Overwatch 2. Uh, the, the thing that was kind of sold was that Overwatch 2 was going to have this big PvE component and there was going to be all this, like, it was going to be a little bit more fun focused where you could, like, level up the heroes and get and get perks that would make you do crazy things and that there was going to be, like... For PvE. Yeah, for right. PvE. That it was going to be, like, a little bit more fun. So if you want if they wanted to call it overwatch 2 after they launched all of that at once if they wanted to do the the pvp changes the 5v5 instead of 6v6 and the tank changes and some of the overall meta changes and then also add a major pve component i would have said like okay that would make a little bit more sense but as it stands now the pve component's not ready yet they did so they launched the pvp part and it's weird like you're you're going from overwatch one that didn't have all these server issues or all these like issues with the game into overwatch two and there's no overwatch one you can never play it again and i don't know like i don't think the game is better for it i would the 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 major change with the lack of one tank um it's really interesting because uh, i've been talking to ryan galloway friend of the show thank you ryan galloway bumper for the use of your music piece and intro and outro uh you can get it off the new album pop songs 2020 2020 you can find them at the at YouTube where you can find. I always think it's going to be 2022. Yeah, oh yeah, you um, know, we you so, find the the thing. You get the merch. So, get so the, he, get the he made he made the point, and and this is also kind of I, I like I, I feel a couple things about this having played it, and one thing that I feel like is that 
the tank thing is ma- is massively weird right now. It I, is weird. I think it would have made much for, more for multiple reasons. Yeah, one of the first reasons is that tanks have always been a huge problem balancing in in Overwatch because from the very beginning, the character Reinhardt kind of was like you get a choice for five characters on your team and then someone should probably play Reinhardt because yeah, and that sucks and that sucks like Reinhardt is super boring he kind of just like you're meant to just hold up this massive shield yeah. so your team can shoot through it and when the shield breaks you go behind cover and you wait to get the shield back and, and it, dealing with shields is not like fun like I, I actually so and and this is why I'm pro one tank like I like to change to five because I don't like this however well I'm listening to you so however I do feel like this means that characters that were previously off tank are they feel weird right now and maybe really they'll feel, weird maybe they'll feel better later but it feels like if you are the single tank and you are picking roadhog or, or, or junker or queen like zarya or junker queen like zarya zarya is a little bit better and and i uh, don't know i feel like people don't know how to play junker queen yet because she's a she's a heal tank and i feel like people well she doesn't heal does she she does heal she does she not. does heal her she, she has self she adds herself she adds 200 health to herself for a very short burst and speeds herself and her team up but she does not i do not um, she does not have a heal she adds like 200 health but her her abilities are she has uh she she heals over time she does it's her passive all the heal all the healers heal over time i don't believe she heals over time she she heals over time i'm telling you this as a fact she heals right. over time. um so it's weird anyway. She has such low health. But the thing about the 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 off tank and main tanks is that because Reinhardt existed, this is like once we got to the meta where Reinhardt was a staple and that you basically needed him, then unranked is kind of unfun because if we were going to play unranked right now with friends, someone would always need to pick Reinhardt. That's if you want to enjoy the game, someone's going to have to like, you know, sacrifice their time to play this boring as fuck character and you had that problem. I think this problem could have been solved way better by making it so that there was a dedicated main tank and off tank role. Because, at, like you said, as it stands, the you're you're thinking about the lineup of tanks. There's there's five characters on a team, and you still have that issue of you need a character to put a shield down for your rest of your team to hide behind. So characters that I see that I saw working that the team could like kind of coordinate a little bit around or like rally behind would be like Winston is, is one Arissa kind of, even though they took away her shield, Sigma is one um, Reinhardt, certainly maybe Zarya, but then there's some other ones that are just weird. It's like, is Roadhog ever going to ever see pro play ever? Like, He's just like he has he has like some of the most health that's true but he's not really like a frontline target. He's not really like he doesn't really do do the thing that the tanks are doing. He doesn't help you get onto site safely and like let your damage dealer set up and like take like poke from behind a shield. So that feels really really weird. And then the other thing is like these character like characters like the, they were mentioning like Junker Queen or or Roadhog, or Zarya. A lot of those characters existed as off-tanks, and what their role was was to kind of, like, be in the back line, and then if, like, a Genji or a Flanker or uh, a McCree or someone or Cassidy or whatever, like, got in the back and started killing your... your try, trying to attack your, your healers or your backline DPS, they would be in the mix and they could, like, 
throw shields on them. They could, um, you know, disrupt yeah, them. So, so I actually like this change, though. I like the change of there being more backline access. I think that's a good thing. I don't know. It feels like it, is it, it'll be it, it will be interesting because maybe it they're... also creates a need for defensive characters like Symmetra and Torbjorn. Maybe, maybe you know, in in, in like a, a devil's advocate for the things that I'm that what I'm saying. Maybe there's a chance that pro play sees more characters. Maybe I mean I, I don't really believe it, but that would be cool if it caused this different thing to have this a shift where the other tanks like the tanks really did have their roles and you the the characters that were calling like off tanks did exist for a different reason and worked on different team comps or that if you picked that character it means you need the torb or something to put a turret down or symmetra to put down traps like maybe i could maybe see that but like i I don't know. I feel like that is that will end up not being the case, and that it'll be like the quickest path to victory or the quickest path to like finding a strong meta will just be the old classic. Like you just have a Reinhardt, everyone stacks behind the Reinhardt. Um, so I still like I, I I feel like the game still has that problem. I feel like DPS is still like the most fun to play and that people want to play it. I don't feel like Kiriko at the healer is kind of a little fun but yeah i think but she's I, fun i don't feel I mean, like heals are still that great of a role I, I don't think they're fun and i think one of the biggest issues with healers is that they're you require two on a team and there's eight different yeah there really should have been there's so many dps there's i would have a been ridiculous amount of dps they should just be so the the thing is like what if team comps were one three one yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I, I kind of was going there. Like, if yeah. it w wouldn't, because if we, if Blizzard is just saying that that this is the hard and fast, you play one two two. If Blizzard is saying that this is exactly how you have to make your team, then they have the ball in their court. People think that DPS is the most fun. So, if you love healer that much, then like there are people who like that role and would maybe specialize in a, in a healer, but you have like a, maybe another rando that's like picking your Moira or your Lucio or something from you. It, the role is not that fun and people are like begging to get into DPS. So just do that. Yeah. Just, just have one tank, one healer, three DPS. Now you fixed, like you possibly have fixed some of the queue issues at this point, because the, if people want to queue into DPS, like there's way more DPS per game. And then people who want to get play like healer or tanks still like instantly pop and are still like, you know, useful. Then you could just do the same thing you kind of did with the tanks where you make the healers also a little bit more tanky, a little bit more resistant. You make their heals strong. So you make it so that like if they're healing someone, they're, that person's going to be hard to kill. And then the enemy team will have to shift focus onto a DPS to kill them, right? Like I, I could see ways to make this game more fun and like they didn't really do them. Um, and I think the one two two is kind of weird. I don't think healers is that fun. And the game increasingly like tank, I think got a little bit more fun in this patch because they made the tanks like so strong that you're kind of like... You're so beefy that you can like stand alive for a while, and also a lot of the tanks like do more damage than DPS because they just stay alive and and they they have pretty crazy damage output. Um, so yeah, I I I just feel like there's so many negative things about this launch already. Uh, even outside of the stuff that's gonna get fixed, like the queue times or the uh, the queue to get in. Um, I also the one of the last things I'd want to say about it is that out of all games that I play, Overwatch 
two, at least for what I played of it for like, let's say like eight hours added up or something, or like in the time that I was all the time that I was playing and watching it, um, is that no one is playing that game right at all. Uh, mm -hmm. It just, it is, it is weird. It, it, it is, it, you, you play a lot of League and I play a lot of Valorant and in those games, even at the levels we play at, you are playing that game it, it, unquestionably. Even like I mean, if someone's feeding or ruining the game, like that's another story. But in silver, in gold, or whatever, those people people are playing that game correctly. They're playing it worse, and and like their their mechanics are worse, and their strategies are are worse. But they're still playing the game, and you're still having those moments that you play the game for. You're still in league. You're still have. You're still probably still having like good team fights, and you're still laning, and you're doing all that kind those kind of things. And it kind of reminds me like when you first start, if you play league in the beginning or on a Smurf account, um, nobody knows how to jungle, and they don't have like runes yet, so it's kind of unsafe. So people will just play like two one two in the lanes, and no one cares about objectives because it's too much to focus on at the time and people are kind of running down the lanes and dying and that is what overwatch feels like in unrated it is like the your team is not stacking is not strategizing no one knows what's going on it, it, some of it yeah, might just well, be that so the fun thing about that though is that's led us to have pretty good success so if when we're a group i mean sort of if I, if we played like a bigger group i still like it, it, that's not to say that we we're winning all yeah, the I mean, games. Jess, Jess and I, Jess and I solo won like a, a game by just. She was playing Diva. I was playing Sigma. I I said let's coordinate our ultimates. We all moved in together. Like I Sigma ulted them. They all floated up into the air. Diva ulted, killed their whole team. Pushed payload to the end. Well, Easy I mean, one. playing two tanks is probably pretty ridiculously strong, and also not like legal in the actual mode. I know, but you know, this is uh the casual. This is casual mode. It just. I, you do you know what I mean? Like you, it's just like you don't. I didn't feel at all like there was any. Mo I didn't have a single moment that felt like, whoa, this character did this, and they we pushed on it, and at the same time, our Genji ulted and got the backline, and it caused. And, and some of that might might also be that it's a extremely hectic FPS, so the information on the screen is not always that fantastic. Um, versus like League, of course, is top down, so it's very readable. Um, Valorant is less readable, but because there's kind of a little bit, there's there's a little bit less pathways, and and flanking is a strategy that like you have to be aware of. So there's a little bit more of a sightline that your team is at, and you can you can combo these abilities together. I I just feel like. Even in Valorant, in like the level that I play with, like you can expect people to correctly smoke the right lines. You can expect people to flash. You and I'm can. Not, I mean, yeah, I'm not saying that it like that it always happens. Especially in ranked, it does happen. Um, and people are generally much better in in uh, silver, gold, and platinum. Uh, Valorant I, desperately needs pings though for that kind of thing of like smoke here, flash here. Well, you can just like, ping it, the map it is, if you want to. crazy. I I don't want to. Yeah, also, I if you're playing smoke, you should like... probably know the, the the like like smoke. We've talked about this before. Smoke is a role that like if you're hitting, you know, a site, you should know the sight lines that you smoke without really having to be told. Like you should know like smoke a heaven angle, smoke the enemy yeah, alternate but if, route. But there should just I mean, I feel like you can't argue that there should just be pings that sure like grenade. Like it's just it, it, it is weird to me that it hasn't. Sure. 
Um, Especially but, given how many seasons there have been that have added absolutely. Yeah, that is still a weird thing about Valorant. Obviously, we talked. I think we talked last week about how this current season of Valorant was absolutely nothing. There was a there was a cursor patch and uh, where they added some cursor customization, but there was nothing else. There wasn't even like major character changes. It was it, it, it were map changes really. Like there was a big fracture map change that just went live, and Pearl got changed, and Pearl is. Um, one uh, act or one season or whatever old but yeah this new map is like this new uh the most recent major patch to valorant was nothing and it's weird that there's still i mean like i guess we'll just mention it from now till the end of time there's still no real in-game stats there's still no replay there's uh still like like you said there's not a fantastic um ping system there should probably be a ping system to be able to ping like um you know enemy here or like like maybe if you were able to like color uh, on the map uh and draw dicks that uh which is what it would get used oh, for Dota style yeah um just draw everyone could draw in their own color a different penis um but yeah it, it's really missing some of those things uh but but Overwatch is a mess. I I didn't really enjoy my time Overwatch with it. has no mini map which also feels bad and weird Yeah so and maybe that's really, what it make, gives me a really hard time understanding the map. And I, I feel like that missing makes it hard. Like that is a game that should be treated like a League of Legends with the way that like map control works and like needing to understand areas. It, 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 there There is weird stuff in like that game. Like also, it, it, is it weird to you that that game doesn't have smoke? Like, would that not be cool? Oh, yeah, that's... I mean, it's such a weird Overwatch. thing that they have this many characters and they have no one who does, like, smoke or sight lines or anything like that. There's so few things that the game is playing with. And then some of the... A lot of the characters kind of overlap in weird ways. The most recent... We mentioned the other character... Uh, the, the the two of the other characters, Kiriko and Junker Queen. Um, and Junker Queen is pretty whack. I mean, if you're... If I, she really is, like, this kind of slight variation on the Roadhog formula... Her ability, she has uh, a right click that throws a knife that impales people and pulls them backwards, um, a la junk, uh, a la the Roadhog um, uh, hook, but much worse. Um, she has, yeah, and she heals on that. I think and, and she, ha- I, 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 I swear that she doesn't, and that she just she puts a debuff. Don't swear. She puts a debuff on people. She puts a. I know that she ha- her kit has a debuff that stops enemy healing. What if I told you that uh, she has a passive called wounding, and every time she applies a wound, she heals? Okay, so, so when she, so she, she wounds with her knife, she heals on it. So okay, so yeah, she has she has the wounding things. Um, she she has a a horrible, an absolutely horrible, does not feel good at all to use E button where she like swings this axe and it wounds people and causes uh, them to take less healing, and I guess for her to heal as well, um, and. Her regular left click is a shotgun, and she, unlike junk, uh, unlike Roadhog, she doesn't have the alternate fire. So Roadhog has the shotgun, and then uh, and then a like scrap bolt where it shoots the shotgun, and then it explodes, so that you can yeah. kind of like, if you line it up right, you can like get crazy headshots. So he does have like some close range versus the mid range, where Junker Queen just has really like close range with like a sawed off shotgun, <laughs> and her. Uh, bless you. And then her, she has a shift ability where she does a shout that speeds people up and gives her 200 health. Um, she's the lowest health of the tanks at 425, which is pretty low health. Especially Roadhog has 700, and he has a he has his own self heal. Um, so her having to like 
having that ability or having to like trigger heals off of connected normals, especially given that her E is so short range, does not feel great. Um, her ultimate is nonsensical. I don't understand really why, what the concept was with the rest of the kit. She like spins the axe and then flies forward. And in a lot of cases, probably puts her really deep into enemy lines with 425 health. Um, so well, I mean, do keep in mind though, that for everybody that she hits, she's getting a hundred. Yeah. I, I, I haven't really seen it line. Like usually people aren't stacked right on top of each other to hit like everyone. Um, so yeah, I, I have not Dude, seen but that. What if you had a Zarya alt? Oh wait, you can't. Yeah. It's, it's so weird. She's such a weird character. So she kind of like almost has a one for one kind of different take on Roadhog things. And then Sojourn, the DPS, is almost a one for one take on Soldier, just slightly different. So she has a real gun. Oh, really? Yeah, the, the, her left click is an assault rifle that feels almost exactly like Soldier's. I'm sure there's some minor yeah. differences, but it's a quick. Yeah, so you're like charging up, right? So yes. you, as you as you deal damage with the assault rifle, you're charging up. An empowered railgun shot, which I feel like, I mean, that's kind of, I don't think that soldier really has that, right? His, well, his alternate ki click is, his, his, his alternate click is the, the missile. So, so very similarly, it's, it, it's, it, I'm not saying that it's, it's a, like an exact copy paste, but your left click is an, is, is an assault rifle. Your right click is a, uh, very like you have to be precise, uh, damage tool. So, so he has a thing that shoots the little missile and the, the missile explodes. Hers is a rail gun that shoots like, it's like a high damage, high precision, like headshotting tool. Um, so those are kind of like, th those main weapons and alternate fires feel pretty similarly. And if you think about the way that the mechanics of playing them, you know, they're both tracking characters and then they have a left click where you have to like readjust and then do a quick like headshot or, or track or like, you know, like, that's a non it's a non-tracking precision right click her e uh is a she shoots out like this thing that this like little orb that when it hit makes contact is a huge ball that like kind of slows people it feels really good and it de deals like very minimal damage and slows people in a field um versus his which is like the uh he puts down a, a pretty weak small aoe field that is kind of like it's okay but Again, like I, I, it kind of overlaps in weird ways. Like you have two healers, right. um, and then he 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 has a sprint. She has a slide and a jump that's on a pretty small cooldown. So yeah, that's a pretty cool one. Again, pretty, but but still like kind of like her her ability reorients her quicker. It feels like pros would probably go to her. I would think if you're like looking since they both cover the DPS role, you think that I could imagine her getting more use for everything I've said so far, and also the fact that. She her her slide is very very fast, and when you jump, it boosts her way into the air. So she can really get out of danger much quicker than yeah. Soldier can, who has to like start sprinting away. And yeah. then their alternate out of curiosity, um, have you ever watched Pro uh, Overwatch? I have. I used to watch a fair amount of yeah, it when I, it I first never came have. out. It always seemed um, unwatchable. It's not very watchable. It is really not watchable. I always waited for something to happen to make. I mean, remember when we. When when they when Overwatch first came out, we always had the complaint that there was a spectator issue. Uh, you would you know you could sometimes be watching a character have like a small fight, and then you just see like a triple kill go off in the on the kill the kill feed. It was like okay, so you the spectators probably should have been watching that Junkrat or something who just did the ultimate and then killed 
three of three of their back line and like that's a pretty big play and then they'll show it afterwards or something so like the game just like it always looked too hectic and i think that it makes sense to pare down the amount of characters because you hope that the game would feel more manageable um i so far i have felt like that has not been true it's almost funny because uh sran made the point of saying that nothing fe- he was like nothing feels different the game still feels too yeah, hectic truly, and you truly al- nothing you almost can't even like imagine what the game would be like going back to six characters right like the game still feels like a mess where everyone's just in the mix and crazy shit is happening and then someone flanked you and killed two people and like everything is insane and unknowable and you're just getting shot from all sides and then you die and have to walk back but then you think about like wow this game used to have another character and that's insane. That's insane to think that like the game is still an absolute mess with five a five v five. You took out two people, and the game is still a total mess. Um. Uh. So yeah, I I, I would be. It'll be. I I I actually eagerly wait forward. Look forward to pro matches to see. Yeah. If the meta changes and like it, you'd have to assume it it will it will change in a big way. But yeah. it'll be interesting to see if that meta is dynamic at all, because I feel oh, like you it's know not. what I'm actually excited for is I'm actually interested. The more I've heard about the when I first heard about PVE, I thought I could not give a shit. Yeah. But after hearing a little bit about their plans for it, I actually think it sounds kind of exciting. Yeah, like, it seems like kind it of sounds cool. Like, like, like it sounds like the way that they're billing it is that like each character will be as complex as like a Diablo class. And will sort of fulfill those goals of this being like a, like like they say that it's going to be like like a destiny where you're like farming for gear and leveling up your character, and the reason why it's taking so long is imagine taking you know each of these characters and adding like three skill trees to them, and yeah. that does sound like actually an undertaking. It does sound like an undertaking, and that would have been a really cool mode, and that also kind of gets closer to this kind of wind down cool mode that we could have with friends and that would be a little bit like there would still be action packed and shooting because our friends do like shooting. So like, I like doing that yeah. and I like having Valorant and like, I, I could almost imagine having overwatch to PVE or something. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm going to say something that might surprise you, but I'm going to keep playing this. I'm not going to download it. Uh, I think I, I, for the time being, I think I'm not going to download overwatch Two. I played it. Uh, I feel like I got my fill, and uh, I played Valorant yesterday, and the mood was, like, very much, um, I'm glad to be back in this, because I feel like I'm playing the game, and it's not, like, such a crazy mess. Mm. Which is, is too fair. bad, because, like, I, part of me wanted to like it a little bit. Like, I I, I do like that world yeah, a little Valorant, bit, and the characters. Valorant is still a little bit too, like, tryhardy for most of the time, I also feel like. Well... Well, try hard. Certainly, I, I don't disagree with that, and I've I've made that point a lot. That Valorant can feel unfun and sweaty and tryhardy. Certainly true, and actually, it's less so in ranked where the skill is much closer. It's worse in unrated where you really don't know what you're getting at all. I but, know what I'm getting. I know what I'm getting, and I say it every time because it's always this. I mean, it's not, but there is still especially a, there is when you play problem, with a but, team of four and you have that one guy on your. That is annoying. That is, and it the is one like, extra is annoying. I would say like 75% of the time they are like playing jet and buying only a deagle or are just like completely clueless, like messing up the eco because they're not really trying to win. And it's like they're, I, I mean, they are the type of person who is playing Valorant 
unrated by themselves. Sure. So they're like looking for clips for YouTube. I don't, sure, I don't but I that. almost felt like Overwatch was like less sweaty and less fun, or it's like more sweaty and and less fun because I, I just felt like I spent. You feel so... like it's because you have like the role that you have to do, and because like you feel like you have less agency, or what do you think? Well, I would say partially that I, I th- there's something that is like. And this is going to almost make no sense a lot of times. Like, in Valorant, you die and you're out for the round. That can be very frustrating, and you can die at round start. I mean, you, you shouldn't die at round start, um, but you can. And you can sit out for, you know, a minute or so, a minute and a half. Um, and that's frustrating, obviously. In Overwatch, it almost feels like I just could not get my head around it. I think some of it is like I am not good at it and people have been playing this game for so long so one problem is like i am not great at tracking which is a whole different style of shooting oh yeah yeah Um, i mean that's like i I play i mean the reason why i do like this game is i love tracking in shooting and i think it's also one of the reasons why one one of the many reasons why i think i like apex a little more than you do yes um so so like and there's different characters for everyone like i i should like i used to like cassidy um and i and, love farah too and i i used to like cassidy and i feel like i just cannot hit anything everyone is like wiggling and, and, and it, oh there's it's everyone is wiggling everyone it's, is moving constantly so when you have a character that's like a precision character i just like don't know i can't really so i i feel i i haven't played it on my setup maybe it was like also sean's setup and oh, not messing yeah, with the sensitivity is. it probably is so I some mean, of it also just like your computer being this game is more graphically demand like it's it's optimized. I could say more graphically demanding, but I think what I should say is it's optimized worse. Yeah, it, it's weird because th- is it 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 is it worse? It's harder to run than old Overwatch than Overwatch One that that like is still the same game. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So I I I I felt like out of all the time that I played, I I felt horrible. I I, I never felt like I was doing well. I never felt like my team was doing well i never felt like we were coordinating it was really hard to play most of the characters like i i had the most fun with like uh uh sojourn and soldier and characters like that where i could just kind of like i had a bigger clip and i could just um like like just shoot um and not i I like like, the length of these that is the other thing the length isn't bad um i would say another big thing when you're not in queue yeah, for, the, it forever. was a bummer because the games go for like five minutes and then you're in queue for ten minutes. Um, but that that'll get fixed. Insane, that'll right? get fixed. But uh, yeah, that, that will probably. There is a lot of maps and there's a lot of like interiors or side paths. So for a new person, the amount of times that I I and and like again, I'm very well aware that in Valorant you die and you're out for the rest of the round. In in this game, like I would walk out try to get to a walk of shame i would do a walk of shame try to get into position and then maybe just get like killed by a flanker and just be like okay now i gotta wait 30 seconds while like the the on the death screen i i watch them kill me i watch my and my my teammates play and then i go back and now i walk 30 seconds over and like sometimes it could happen again or like the team fight could be messed up or the, the other thing that was happening, and it goes into this overall, it just felt like nobody is playing the game correctly, is that people tend to not think and then funnel in, and they, it's like they want to hold the W button and get back to the shooting, and they don't realize that there's a time where, like, you lose a team fight, and now 
it doesn't matter that like your Reinhardt is like alone dying on the front lines with like another DPS, like hold back a little bit, wait for everyone to regroup, like like let's get everyone together and then make like a simultaneous pu- push. But it just can the game feels so snowbally sometimes where at, at that level of like unrated or whatever, just when you play roll queue play, it ends up being whoever kind of wins that one fight just kind of like rolls because the enemy team is filing back out and dying. Yeah, and they're they're coming in staggering like they're 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 completely staggered like we we talk about it even as a strategy like you mentioned like it's good to get a big pick um especially when you win a team fight and the enemy starts coming back you just kill their healer who just walked back to to nothing to a completely like empty battlefield and now that healer is down for 30 seconds and that staggered their whole team so now their whole team like maybe four of them will walk in like and the healer is still not up yet and they're they're still gonna do that fight and that's that is like a low level play yeah but that is a low level play issue but when you play unrated league i still feel like i play the game I, I, when I play unrated Valorant, I, you know, sometimes we get stomped or it's like bullshit Smurfs, but I still played the game. I, and in these games, like I still end up feeling like I got, I can play a couple games and maybe I lost those games, but I got my fill of it. And Overwatch, I don't even feel like I had a single game that I felt like I was playing the game. It was yeah, all this shit. Because, well, in League and in Valorant, there is more solo carry. This game does require more. Co- you think so that there it, would be more mean. solo carry potential with one less character that I, I would... think that there is i think there is more solo carry potential but it's still not enough to you know more than one but less than other games yeah i i you know what i i my i came away from thinking about overwatch with is that in these unrated games in like a uh, role queue i really want items or events um i want like something that is not that balanced fun. I, I, I don't want it to be balanced or anything. It, it can be just ridiculous. I want like, like a spike rush or something items or what? No, like fa- like I want there to be like a Faust meteor storm and I want it to be like you have to run undercover because the outside like everywhere outside is getting burned and yeah. it, it causes how about this game. But how about a battle royale? Right. Yeah. Like I, I, I think that like Overwatch with items would be like the correct way that Smash Brothers should be played, which is like for for people free for all with items on crazy stages and even if your friend is like too good they're still probably going to win but like unknowable things will happen and that randomness and ridiculousness will make the game more wacky and fun and the game is like not wacky and fun at all it is like you can tell that people have been like sweating it out and you can tell you can get onto a game where there is a Widowmaker that's headshotting everyone and you're not really allowed to play and there have not been enough changes to make people feel differently about the game so you're yeah you know it's going to be a good year for call of duty yeah this game's a mess I don't know that it's a mess. I, I just, I mean. Well, it is a mess. It's a mess by the numbers because the launch has been, you know, completely terrible with all these connectivity issues. I really don't see what it, like, the, the changes are paying off for it. I, I don't know. I, I, it'll, it will be interesting to see that if there's a pro play and if pro play maybe can help um, cause there to be a little bit more sanity in non-pro play i think the answer is no but uh but yeah i feel like this game just does not lend itself to being like it's not it's it it doesn't do anything right it's not like wacky and fun enough that i could jump on with you guys and pick whoever i want and 
it, it's crazy and wacky and I'm just having a blast because like I'm not like in most cases a lot of the characters I am not precise enough to play right now I don't feel like I understand the maps I don't feel like I have a lot of good information about what's going on the screen and if I play in unranked like the teams are a mess and like no one is grouping up or doing anything so it like it doesn't feel good I'm kind of sad yeah sorry to hear that you know what feels good board games played a bunch oh my god blood uh, on the yeah I mean I, I played a bunch I played Blood on the Clock Tower. I played two playthroughs of Blood on the Clock Tower. Four yesterday. hours? Two playthroughs. Uh, about, yeah, about, one, the first one was, I would say 90 minutes each. What was uh, the um, player count? This is a, this is a social uh, 12, deduction. This 14 deduction, for the yeah. first game, 12 for the second. So, a lot of players. Um, uh, it, it, it's a tough game to talk about without, like, um, like, explaining the whole situation because, like, Hearing about what happens in the game is less interesting than the actual like narrative that unfolded. Certainly. Um, but it was Adamita. So there is uh, this uh, board game and comic store that is in a mall uh, that does a biweekly meetup. So every other Saturday they do like a board game day for uh, like eight hours. So like plenty of time to like meet people and like, you know, do the game. So uh, a storyteller came with uh, with Blood on the Clock Tower, he played two different scenarios. Um, so Blood on the Clock Tower is a social deduction game, uh, most similar to Werewolf. Each player has a role, which is which is cool because in a lot of Werewolf games, uh, you will just be like a villager. You do nothing uh, and you're just like a good guy and you have to figure out who the bad guy is. But in this, every single person has a role. And most importantly, you are not out when you die because that is one of the worst things about social deductions is that... Uh, you could be killed off early, and then there's literally you, you just don't do anything. To be fair, a lot of the other ones are much, much shorter. If you're playing a 10-minute game or something and you get killed off early, that's different than other than than, than a two-hour game, right? Where... Yeah, and I mean, in Among Us, at least, it's still fun to, like, float around. Uh, so in both games, I kind of ended up playing the same character. So in the first game, I played a character called the Raven Keeper, and their ability is if you are killed at night, you learn somebody's role. So what I did during the day is I just kept like getting people in secret and being like, hey, I'm like this really important character. And the later the game goes on, the stronger I'm going to get. So I just like need to be safe and protected. So the demon, you know, caught wind of that uh, in the first game and killed me. And I found out one of the bad team players. Uh, but unfortunately, through a series of, know tumultuous events that always ends up happening in this game uh that information kind of got like lost in the sauce and the team didn't like follow through on that information uh partially their fault partially my fault um and in the second game so the, um, so you're saying the demons won the the bad team won and the demon was so there was one kid playing and the the, the kid ended up being the demon uh, they were like this uh, 11 year old girl who came with their dad. And at the start of the game, the the father was playing an empath who could tell uh, if one of their neighbors is evil. So he got a reading that one of his teammates was evil. And he was like, uh, one of my, you know, he was like, one of my neighbors is evil. Um, my daughter told me her role. So I think it's the other person. So wow. look at her. Look at that eleven-year-old girl really fitting in right away. Her dad. Yeah. So uh, we executed like this really powerful role because this guy trusted his daughter, 
Uh, and he's in for a shock in two years when she becomes an adolescent. Uh, so we did lose Maybe that she's game. already pregnant and he doesn't know. She's just so, so good at lying. In in the second game, uh, which is uh, one of my favorite scripts of Blood on the Clock Tower, which is called Sects and Violets, um, it, the key feature of it is madness. And in madness, you are told that you are mad. And when you're mad, you have to claim that something is true. And if you do not do that, uh, the storyteller can kill you. So in a lot of cases, a character will have to pretend to be somebody that they aren't or they'll die, which could mean that you are this really powerful information gathering role, but you have to pretend to be something useless, which means that you can't give out your information or the storyteller will kill you. Uh, so neat things like that. But I played a role called the sage, which is if you die at night, um, you find out that one of two players is the demon. So I did the same thing. I bluffed and I actually, I got a good read on somebody because I essentially what happened is, is we were planning to execute this person. And I said, you know, we know that they're good. We're, I understand why we're executing them to get information, but let's not do it. And then this guy is like, well, maybe we should just execute you then. And I was like, okay, say more. And they were like, yeah, he's like trying to take charge. Like he's clearly, you know, trying to make like a, a play here. Like, and I just don't trust that. And I'm like, I was thinking to myself, wow, this person fucking sucks at social deduction games. This guy is clearly evil. Like this is like the, the worst social read ever. Like this person has no idea what they're doing. So I was like, okay, we should just vote you off then. Uh, that didn't come to pass until much later when we did. But what happened then is I was executed in the first night, which is really exciting. I was happy about that. However, uh, I was transformed away from my role. And so it's this bizarre thing where there's this one evil character who can change your role. And they changed my role into a demon, uh, which I guess they thought that would mean that I would be into evil or a demon because isn't there only one demon per yeah they changed me into a demon so they they essentially gave me the ability to kill so which you shouldn't do because then you have a good player who can just kill people so you um, kill them uh so what happened is there is a specific rule where if somebody is changed into a demon the storyteller decides who dies then so the storyteller killed me because they were like, I can't have a good demon. That would be ridiculous for that would be like too strong for the for the good team. So can't do it. So I was off, uh, which is sad because it means that my sage ability didn't proc and I didn't get to use the information. But my social reads were really good. And that guy who like called me out on day one ended up being the pit hag who transformed me into it. Nice. So the the good team won that game. Uh, I we had a we had a good time. That that game is so fun. I, I thought about after playing it, I did think about getting my own copy. Uh, and then I learned that it is a hundred and forty five. Yeah, it's very expensive. And it also doesn't make that much sense because a lot of times you'd play it. It, it is it, it requires such a large player count that you probably if you have that many people, then like you're probably at an event where someone has that. If that's like a thing, I, I feel like, though, my gaming group is getting bigger um, and I'm so, yeah, I just feel like with my gaming group getting bigger and the fact that I, I feel like I might want to do storytelling, that it might kind of 
justify it there. Sure. I also did get a chance to play Food Chain Magnate, uh, which I won't get too much into, but I will say that I broke the bank uh, with a $69 sale. Nice. And then I ended the game uh, with $420. Neato. So those are the fun- those are the numbers. Those are the two numbers. I mean, and you really did it, right? Funny. Yeah, nice, that's funny nice, and also blaze it. Yeah, yeah. Nice exactly. and also blaze it. What a unique way to end that game. Yeah, and I've just been I've just been meeting people. It's been it's been nice. I feel like I at any time right now could like wrangle a group of people to like get in a board game because I have people who are like living eight minutes away from me who are just like always around and always looking to do things. So I feel like that is very exciting for me because I'm actually going to get some value out of my board game. And well, I'm also yeah. really excited for you to visit to like meet some of my friends and play some board games. I know. It's, I wish it were a little bit easier. It's such a worse drive or or a plane ride, which I do not love planes that much. But if oh, I was, don't. Yeah, the plane ride's not worth it. The drive, gonna, I know that it, it is long, but once you leave New York, it is kind of like a, a dreamy ride. Yeah, that's fine. Like, I mean, like, I, I just, I went to Philly and that, and that is, oh, and, yeah. and uh, New Jersey. Um, so it is true that, like, generally when you're out of New York, you're, you're kind of flying. Like, usually traffic doesn't mean bumper to bumper. It means that there's people on the road, but if you want to get around them, you can get around them. So you're not too... Yeah stopped by it even even then it kind of is like the be, that being that far is like i have to stay for much longer because like two almost two days are kind of ruined by travel yeah um but yeah yeah you got to make it worth the time i mean flying is fine if you're leaving from uh new york city but if you're leaving from long island it's like not worth it yeah like the MacArthur Airport doesn't have great direct flights. They're too expensive. Because, But otherwise, I mean, uh, round trip ticket, uh, you could get it for 100 bucks. That's not terrible. That's pretty good. I mean, that's like <laughs> that's like almost cheaper. Than- um, I can't believe it's taken me this long to mention this, at least, uh, uh, in the podcast, because my, my real love this these last couple uh, weeks has been uh, under night, in birth, late, EXE, clear or uniclear oh boy. um you think that there's time to talk through this one uh i i mean maybe I'll, maybe i'll talk about it because there there is like a, a greater interesting thing going on like fighting games i think are popping off i'm i love that genre and i have are not they popping off they are i mean for me well, they are where are they for me they are like i i mean for for me it, like I, I'm not even saying o- overall. I mean overall, yes, they are popping off. There's more people paying attention to it. The genre is bigger, and you need some new fighting games. And like things are going overall in a good direction. Obviously, more most games that release to th- these days have uh, rollback and better net play. So a lot of the old issues with fighting games are being solved, and more people are paying attention to fighting games than ever. It's a slowly, you know, steadily growing genre. And there's a lot of other interesting things going on in fighting games right now. Like one of the most interesting things has been the whole talk about different controllers. There's like this is a, something for another day, but it's really really fascinating. The current events there is so many people talking about the different types of controllers and the advantages they give you. Um, uh, you, Some of the main big three of like either the, obviously the stick controller, the arcade stick that mimics the old arcade cabinet with the buttons and the the ball top joystick, Um, uh, a, a traditional PS4 or Xbox controller, or now what is becoming increasingly, increasingly relevant to the point that it's like a lot of times being called a cheater box is hitbox. 
um, where it is it is called leverless because uh, it's buttons um, instead yeah. of a, a stick. Um, and it allows for a lot of crazy things, but it has kind of started more recently. It has started a sort of cold war with all these different new types of sticks. Um, for example, there's a arcade stick that has a button called an antagonist, which it, it, uh, it, it's a, a button below the other normal, you can think of a normal arcade stick and there's another button and the button switches whatever your joystick is input at. So it would so be it inverts it. It inverts the joystick. So so if you're you're playing guile, you're holding backwards, and now without moving the joystick, which is the big negative with the joystick, because there's there's actual physical travel time um, versus the joystick versus the hitbox, you would hit at the same time both the antagonist and like punch, and then you would do an instant sonic boom that would and would at the very that would be frame one perfect and it would cause you to be um, charging that immediate second that it's over without having to go back to through neutral and, and to back. So there's so much going on in, in that sector that I think is really interesting. And for me, um, I, like I, I was kind of at a slightly frustrating point because uh, the current, like I, I like fighting games and I like fighting games more and more recently, um, especially with getting to heaven and guilty gear. But Are you in heaven? Uh, not this month yet. I haven't actually like really spent any time because I've been in uh, Philly. And then the time, the free time that I'm playing fighting games, a lot of times I'm playing Uniclear, which I'm really loving. Um, uh, Rev is getting rollback, and I do want to play Re- uh, uh, Guilty Gear Xrd Rev too, um, mostly because uh, that game is really cool, but people are way too good at it, and it's a really really difficult game to play. But when rollback happens, a lot of people just naturally. Uh, play it and are not great at it so there'll be a big influx of new people and it'll be kind of fun to play it for that like week or month that people are new at it because then i can kind of play this technical game that other people are also struggling and new with rather than just like going in and getting stomped so i I kind of uh want to play a little bit more of that but um yeah uniclear i've been playing uniclear uh that game is fantastic it's like uh, it is so amazing uh i am so like in love with it uh, it is kind of a mix between Blaze Blue and Street Fighter. Uh, it, there's so many different like nuances to the game. One of the big nuances to this game is that it is anime, but there's like no air blocking really. You can only air block certain things, and you can't air block oh, so any like DNF tool. It's a little bit, yeah, like a, a little bit. Like the the ways that it's different from like a Blaze Blue is that combos are definitely a little bit shorter um the damage is a little bit more in line with like a street fighter so let's say like it's on average about a five touch game um the there's no burst um the defensive options are a little bit more limited um so it's a little bit closer to street fighter in that sense and then also you can only block like projectiles or abilities in the air and not grounded normals so there's a lot of characters also that have some wild like grounded normals or like long-ranging things so jumping is like there's um, no air dash. There is kind of, it's a, called an assault. It doesn't really work the same way. Um, you can almost do, there's not really like an instant air dash like there is in other fighting games, but there is an assault, which is kind of closer to a KOF short hop. Um, you, you, you push like guard forward and the character does this like really low jump. Um, so, so that's one way you can kind of get in without doing like a big old arcing jump. Um, so, so yeah, like it kind of, is closer to Street Fighter and a lot of these systems and a lot of the ways that it, it does damage, but then it's much closer to a game like Blaze Blue, 
in that the cast has like really insane wild diversity and the characters are so visually immediately visually distinct and play style distinct to the point where there's like almost no overlap on a lot of the cast and it really does feel like closer to like a blaze blue where there's like a drive button and the characters are like heavily defined by their kits than it is um some of the other more grounded 2d fighters uh like there's just some insane characters in it and there's like someone for everyone there is this guy this guy carmine where he has like probably by the numbers better moves than everyone else but he hurts himself with them and he does like a pretty significant amount of damage to himself so he has to constantly make a trade-off of like ending his combos shorter if he doesn't think like there's that much value in it because he could do so much damage to himself um also he has like some crazy abilities to like put puddles on the ground and uh he can hold them like zato might and then let go and then they'll detonate so he can like do all these combos and set up like these oki traps um uh, the character that i was playing a lot of was chaos who is like a puppet character but he's like more wild of a puppet character than someone like uh like a Zato or something, or like maybe I, I I don't really know exactly how Carl Clover plays, but his puppet, um, uh, he's mostly like almost like a summoner or a caster where all of his abilities are generally him. He just does like a a flourish and he has a he has a book which I think is a dope weapon and he kind of just like sits there like looking at the book and your attacks are are like all of your abilities are kind of moving your your creature this giant lizard so he almost kind of like when in in actual gameplay the keys on one side of the screen and you're rushing people down with this creature and they're trying to like defeat this creature and get up to this kind of weaker caster character which is really really neat i think it's really cool um i was playing some of gordo who makes these like insane sides and he steals meter from people the cast is just so so cool um, one of the coolest things about it that is like a super unbelievably unique um, system mechanic is this grid. Um, uh, uh, the game actually like kind of really revolves around this grid mechanic. Um, you might where say that it's a battle for the grid. It's a battle for the grid. I Power mean, Rangers. Yeah. Battle for the grid. So, so uh, on the bottom of the screen between the um, like like meters is a is a grid bar uh that, that is like both left both characters both sides have their own um grid and uh the grid is like you know separated into these like five points or whatever and as you move forward and press buttons or also hold down um the the uh, like there's like a, a shield button but also if you hold down the shield button without any input uh that your character sits there charging they'll gain some grid um, and you also get grid from blocking. Um, the every twenty seconds on like a rotation, uh, the game will decide like who has the most of the grid meter, and it gives them a power up that like it gives them it like unlocks a passive in a lot of cases. So a lot of the characters have these like deep things where um, like I I'm not entirely sure about some of the passives. Sometimes it changes like normal abilities or allows for some crazier things allows like some characters to like not even have to reverse beat they can like use the same buttons over again this one character like Enkidu and and it, it gives you some advantages and it also 
uh, allows you to do a Roman cancel, which you otherwise can't do. Like you can Roman cancel when you have this, like when you have the grid in your favor. Um, you can also like cancel the the amount of grid you have to get more meter, um, and also it causes a screen flash. So it becomes this big. Uh, at high level, it's this really interesting thing that both people are kind of fighting for it. And if you think you are going to lose it, you can cancel it and get your amount of grid and meter and guarantee that you lost the fight for the grid. And if you're winning or you're trying to go for it, it might give you like a big, huge advantage or a really high damage combo. So it's this kind of like flow state that the game is constantly that like you're fighting over either from moving forward a lot or from being really good at blocking. Sometimes you can get it back. There's some other really cool um, mechanics that I haven't really seen in fighting games that I think uh, a lot of... Does this game have a negative penalty or no? Uh, No, it does not have a negative penalty. It's really just like you get the advantage of the grid, but not the negative penalty. No, no, yeah. I mean, like, it's it's one of those things where you're being... You you get rewarded for being aggressive um, and not rewarded... And you, you don't get as rewarded for being passive, but... Um, like I said, blocking is actually a thing. So if, if, if this this interesting thing happens where if you're in the corner and your enemy is just like brutally mixing you up, a lot of the ways that you get grid is from moving forward. So if they're just kind of standing in your face, doing a lot of buttons, you might get more grid from just being really solid at blocking. And then you could win that fight for the grid and then be, and then switch it and then get your offense going. Um, uh, this is like a little in the weeds thing, but I think it's a really cool thing is like there's there's so many little systems that I, I'm like, wait, why haven't they done this kind of thing before? And, an example being when you there's a there's a really healthy tech window for throws. Uh, it's pretty it's not too bad to visually tech a throw, especially if you think you're looking for it. And if you are the one who's teching and not the one who initiated it, the the, the person who initiated it is negative. So. If you're sitting, like, you can think about you're sitting in the corner and you're blocking a lot and you're really trying to, like, hold down the fort and you're just constantly getting mixed up. And then the enemy, you know, you're blocking, so the enemy's frustrated. They're going to go in for a throw to break your your guard. If they, if you get the tech on the guard, on the block, then you're positive after, after after the guard break. So this could be your chance to get out. So it's, like, an interesting gamble going for throws. It's not, like, something you can just kind of go for all the time. You really have to, like risk it and be aware of what you're doing if the enemy is able to visually tech it. So there's like a lot of interesting, smart um, things about this game. I'm having a blast. I, the uh, mission mode is unbelievably good. It is fantastic. It is not only does the game, the game just feels great. The combos feel great. The characters feel great. And the mission mode is giving you, it, it, it'll tell you every mission like kind of tells you like, here's an easy bread and butter. Here's a more complex bread and butter that you might be dropping for a long time. And then it'll also give you all tons of situational combos, like maybe a big combo after a throw, or maybe a combo that you could do when your back is to the corner and you get a hit in, and then you can do this big combo that side switches and puts your enemy in the corner. So kind of like it gives you tons of tools and tons of situational combos that you might want to know that would like really give you an advantage from like the moment one it even gives setup characters um combos that cause setups afterwards that like you know let you lay down traps at the end of a combo so that you're not just like having to figure out by going to youtube to figure out like okay i'm a trap character but when would i lay down traps and like how would i use them um so all this stuff is so positive the game does not have a lot of people playing. It's a very niche game. Um, you were saying, like, I think there's, like, you can usually expect, like, 70 um, concurrent players at once, which is really not a lot on Steam. 
Um, and the main reason probably why is that other than, you know, the game being a little bit older now and not having rollback would be the big, big one. Um, well, it also I, doesn't have any any name. Like, no one knows this. Yeah, it, I mean, like, it. There, uh, there's a lot of, like, a lot of people really like... There, there is a very diehard fan base, and a lot of people from other fighting games, like, especially Melty Blood, because the company that does this is uh, French Bread. Um, so the, the you can see a lot of the bigger Melty Blood names kind of crossing over with it, but Melty Blood itself is also pretty niche as far as fighting games go. So this certainly... This game, like, does not have a crazy amount of people playing it, and... Um, the without there being rollback i think that's kind of the main thing that hurt it it's an older game um if this game were if they were to release a new uniclear or like a new uh, undernight in birth i could see it doing a lot better in the current um state of things but they would obviously have to make it rollback um and the last thing i'd want to say is that the company french bread announced that they said that there is uh rollback coming to a uniclear it was really worded weird and mm. the way that it sounds is like up in the air whether or not Uniclear, the current, the most recent Undernight Inbirth game, is getting um, a patch and rollback, or better or worse, a, a, a completely new Undernight Inbirth is coming out that will have rollback. So like they kind of worded it in a weird way. I I I would be happy to see a new one and get and and it start out with rollback and have people uh, looking at it because I think the especially the current version of fighting games like whenever rollback comes out people kind of flock to it and there's a lot of content creators that are popular now that are kind of like you know moving groups of people over to fighting games so I, that game phenomenal i'm loving it cool yep glad you're enjoying it I, and i mean yeah i don't know i'd like to see a new blaze blue also i feel like every time that one of these games like if they were to make a new uniclear game chances are they'd cut the roster size in half so far, they haven't done that with this with Uniclear because the roster is not large and their characters are like kind of very unique. I think they're mostly just like kind of like transporting it from Uniclear to Uniclear um, from from Undernight in Birth. Different patches are just making the characters look better and kind of it's more of like a Tekken thing where there's not a lot of characters, but they're kind of saving a lot of the mechanics and characters from each individual uh, version of like the Undernight in Birth series. It would be cool to get a brand new Undernight Inbirth that is like almost the same thing, just a new name, rollback, a little bit more characters, and all the old stuff still. That would be very cool. Um, I would love to see more Blaze Blue. Absolutely. Didn't Mori leave though? Like the head of Blaze Blue is gone, and a lot of people think that like Blaze Blue as a franchise might be done. I we don't really know what Team Blue at Arxis is doing. I would love to get that big announcement and see like are they doing yeah maybe they're just working on gotcha games oh yeah doing more blaze blue gotchas yeah i love this style of like i know you like it too i just like that style of fighting game where the characters are so like blindingly unique that they yeah. have like almost nothing to do with each other like in in games like street fighter a lot of the mechanics kind of cross over and the characters are kind of an amalgamation of each other. It's like, okay, this character has a fireball. I know how to work that in. This character has this as like their long range poke. And with these games, like uh, with Blaze Blue and Uniclear, most more than almost any other game, the characters like function so massively differently that like it is something that you're like yeah. sitting down. You, you know what would be insane would be a Battlecon game, Battlecon video game. Oh yeah, those characters look cool too. Would yeah, they make it like that. a slow? I wonder if if they did a Battlecon game, would they make it like 
literally, you know, like, like, uh, you, you would still not be, maybe you wouldn't move around real time, but you'd have like five seconds or so to like make a choice. So it would still be like kind of fast and rapid, well, but well, they do, they do have like a battle con online, but I'd like to see them actually make a fighting game. I think there is one that's called like, uh, I would have to say it's something with like Eden, like path to Eden or something where it's a, a grid based fighting game. It's like that's a, not, that's not really the same. That's a, that is a Mega Man battle. That is a Mega Man battle network clone. Yeah, I know, but it does not have PVP. Uh, I don't know. I had just and heard that it did, but I played it. Maybe it does, but it's mostly a roguelite. It's mostly a roguelite deck builder. Is that all the games? That's too there's many. There's a lot of those too many games. Yeah. Take us home. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, This James. has been WTDG Podcast. You can find us online at WTDGpodcast.com, on Twitter, at sign WTDG Podcast, or on your favorite podcast platform, like iTunes, Spotify, whatever, where you could rate, comment, and subscribe to the show. Thank you, Ryan Galloway. And bumper for the use of music we use the intro not show. You can get it off the new album, Pop Songs 2020. You can go to YouTube where you can find links to all their merch. Thanks. And I guess we just still don't have it yet. Thanks. Awesome. Perfect. I don't want to have it. I don't want to have it anymore.